The text that calls for our attention on this, the last Sunday of the church year, is our Old Testament reading from Malachi chapter 3, especially these verses. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine today that you are not sitting in church, but that you are sitting in an auditorium. You're in that auditorium for a seminar entitled, Getting Ahead in Life. The first slide comes up on that large screen in the front of the room, and it says, Believe in God. Would you be surprised to see that there? Would it confuse you? Would you be a little skeptical? Well, I suppose, truth be told, all of us who believe in Jesus would love if it worked that way. If believing in God always led to getting ahead in life. I mean, who wouldn't love their life to be trouble-free? Wouldn't we love it that if seeking to walk with the Lord our God meant perfect test results at the doctors every time? bank accounts overflowing with money, and endless promotions at work? Wouldn't we love it if it meant the admiration, respect, and loyalty of the people around us at school, or at work, or at home? Wouldn't we love it if it meant that we would have a life free of anxiety, depression, and confusion? And to be quite truthful, there are many days when in our gut we feel not only would it be nice if it were that way, but that we think it should be that way. And when it is not, it can often trouble us at a very deep level. While I suppose we don't often say it aloud, in the confines of our hearts and our minds, we can think that the fact that God's people don't always have it noticeably better than the wicked is an indictment against having faith at all. That feeling inside of us seems to get really strong when one of two things happens in our immediate world. First, when we see someone we know, or we ourselves, who are believers suffering greatly, it can mess us up inside especially when they are suffering in terms of their overall health or their finances or their relationships. Our faith can get strained quickly. We can soon be screaming in our heart that everything is so unfair. It can seem as if God is not in control as he says he is. And if we get to a dark place, we can wonder whether the whole thing is worth it at all. The other thing that can intensify that feeling in our gut is when we see people who will not let any law of God restrict their action getting ahead in so many ways. They cheat, they lie, they steal, and they prosper. They mock and taunt and insult the people of God and yet seem to have no ill effects from doing so. They betray and slander and destroy others, and yet receive honor 
from those who are most influential. And when all of that happens, we can again start to question God in our hearts. We can wonder, does he really have the power he says? We wonder why he does not defend his name and his people. As I said, much of this type of thought often stays in our hearts and our minds. But when it gets really bad, things in our hearts and our minds can easily slip out of our mouths. Especially if we think we're only around those who know us best, we can end up saying things like, where is God? What good is believing? What's in it for me? Yes, this has been a struggle of God's people for as long as they have existed. They follow God, and yet, to the best of their ability to see what's going on in the world, it doesn't appear that there's much advantage to doing so. It seems that those who run right through God's commandments are the ones who have every advantage in life. God's people often end up crying out like a young child, It's not fair. There are words in our Old Testament reading for today that capture these kind of thoughts very clearly. The people in Malachi's day said this to God, It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Yes, they too complained that it appeared at times that there was very little benefit from keeping God's ways. And that the arrogant, they seemed to be the ones doing just fine. But we must hear today what God says about such charges against him. He says that such words are hard words that are spoken against him. He says that they are not words which should be uttered against him. He says that they are not the thoughts of faith. Oh, what a strong rebuke. And not just of the people in Malachi's day, but of us as well. Who are we to question God's justice or his power or especially his love? Did God not mete out his justice perfectly upon Jesus at the cross? Did he not display his awesome power on Easter morning? Does he not manifest his love even today? by offering you the gifts of his forgiveness and his Holy Spirit. Let us think on those things. Let us let the reality of God's justice and power and love sink in. For then we will admit that the real problem is not with God, but it is with us. The real problem is not God's justice or his power or his love, but it is our impatience at waiting for him to fulfill his promises. Today we would do well to repent of the arrogance we show when we question God about how he does things in this world. We think on those things, and we are told that when we do, God himself takes note. We think about God's great grace and acknowledge his mercy and his power and his love. 
and a book of remembrance is written before him. Then God speaks. Listen to what he said to those in Malachi's day. And know that they are words spoken to you as well. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in a day when I make up my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Oh, it's true that on the average day, you can't judge who is righteous and wicked with only your eyes. You can't tell it by the state of their health, the balance of their bank accounts, or the respect they have from others. But at the same time, you must know this. There is great benefit in keeping God's charge and in walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts. Yes, those who mourn their sins before the Lord and those who seek by his spirit to keep his ways will be spared on the last day. They will be God's great treasured possession. You will be his treasured possession. Truth be told, you already are. After all, you have been his treasured possession since he chose you before the foundation of the earth. That was proved true when Jesus went to the cross and then left the tomb for you. It was revealed as true in your life when water and word met over your head and God claimed you before others as his own. And on that last day, well, then it will be clear to everyone. No longer will the wicked prosper or the righteous suffer. The distinction once and for all will be absolutely clear. Those who have served the Lord in faith will be with God. And those who have served themselves will be without him. So when you take a look in your life and you wonder because of what your eyes see, it is time to lift up your eyes. First to the cross and then to the skies. Lift them up first to the cross, for there you will find the absolute evidence of God's love for you. No matter what else is going in your life, if you look at the cross, you know that God loves you. Then look to the skies. For Jesus has promised that he will return. And when he returns, that favor he has already placed upon you will be noticeable to all. Now I suppose believe in God won't be on many slides in a seminar entitled Getting Ahead in This Life. But it's perfectly sound advice for those who desire to live with God in the coming life. Believe in God for salvation, and he will give it to you. He will make that distinction clear on the last day. Amen.